G'day, dear listeners. Jono here reminding you that we are returning to Israel with Rabbi Tobias Singer, and we want you to come with us this November. Go to truthtoyou.org and click on the Tanakh Tour of Israel and join us as we walk where judges, kings, priests, and prophets made history in the Holy Land. Seats are limited, so don't delay. The Tanakh Tour of Israel this November on truthtoyou.org. you may be around the world and thank you for joining us once again on truth to you.org that's truth number two letter you.org it's season two of torah pearls i'm jono and joining me in the virtual truth to you studio all the way from indonesia is the author of let's get biblical why doesn't judaism accept the christian messiah volumes one and two you can get a copy from his website outreachjudaism.org that's outreachjudaism.org you can also find all his videos on tobias singer TV, TobiaSinger.tv. Welcome back to the program, Rabbi Tobias Singer. It's great to be here. You know, as you were introducing me, I was thinking that people are going, what is he doing in Indonesia? <laughs> what are you doing in Indonesia? What's the latest there? <laughs> That's wonderful. I mean, terror is uh, spreading all over Indonesia. That's what's going on here. It's all good. That's amazing. It's You're very good. busy. There's some incredible things happening there. So good day to everybody there in Indonesia. This week, we are in Kora, and what an incredibly gripping a Torah portion this is, and it, um, it it gets straight into it. It becomes uh, very exciting very quickly. It says in, uh, it starts from Numbers chapter 16, verse 1, and it talks about Korah, Korah and his mates. There's a rebellion, mm. and uh, he and his friends, they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown, Tobia, men of renown, they gathered it together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Now, one of the things I find really interesting, Tobia, about this Torah portion is the battle of words that we experience here in this chapter. First of all, what what are they saying? What are the uh, uh, Korah and his and his rebellion saying to Moses and Aaron? So this is very interesting that you that you touched on this, and there is a battle of words going on. And in fact, what is the map is not the territory, which means what Moses points out to Korah, who is saying, "Why you Moses and Aaron, you're taking upon yourself." Uh, all these uh, very important positions. Our listeners who are not familiar with who Korach is, Korach was Moses and Aaron's first cousin. Their fathers were were brothers. Korach was the firstborn son of Yitzhar, who was the brother of Amram. So here you. Ha- so this is a real family fight. Uh, I, meaning that Korach was a person who was from the same family and the firstborn. Moses was a third child. And Korach is arguing, like, what are you doing taking upon yourself that you have such important positions? Uh, it is interesting to note that when Moses hears Korach's complaint, and, and Moses is shocked by this, because remember... And this is why I always tell the listeners, you, you study the Torah in context. Moses didn't want any of this, and he's going to make mm. a point of this. This was never in my heart to be a leader. Moses is going to take this very personally. And you're going to see, in fact, that 
the conflict resolution that Moses is going to engage in does not work, and it worked in the past. But Moses initially does get what this is all about. Kurach says, what do you look at you, your first cousin, and you got all these very important positions. And Moses turns around to him and responds that, you mean, you want to be a priest. You, it's not me you're after, because what was he, out of his mind? I mean, Moses was the one who hmm. was the one who went to Pharaoh. The plagues were who split the sea. They had a quail coming down. According to Jewish tradition, the quail was 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 two almost cubits high. I mean, people would waist deep in quail. I mm. mean, Moses would blink and God would react. I mean, there's even a Jewish tradition. We, we, we saw what happened to Miriam when she grumbled against uh, yeah, Moses. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you ta- I mean, Moses' name is, if you, you look at his name, if you reverse it, you have Hashem, God's name. Moses' identity and God was so deeply connected. They were so close to each other. You'd have to be absolutely insane to go to war with Moses. And Moses says, this was never on my heart, which is which Moses is now you could see this is a very personal hurt because Moses is going, I never wanted leadership. Mm. I and we know that Moses spent days and he spent six days arguing with God and God was angry at Moses already. Mm. Like you're doing it and your hands are gonna turn leprous and so on. So Moses retorts properly that you really want Aaron's job. You want to be coined. Because don't you have enough? You are already a levy from a very prominent family. You are carrying the your family is carrying the ark. What like you have a prominent place. You are really after my brother. Now I'll just make a, a comment here. Mm-hmm. A few a few comments are vital. Because I think there's no sane person that can look at this uh, portion of the week and go, what is Koach, crazy? So it's the mis- this happens, what are you crazy, which is a reasonable response to Koach's behavior, without knowing the context. You have to remember that the, Jew- the context of this portion is the Jewish people just received a death sentence in the prior in the in the prior portion of the week, the Jewish people had just been told they're going to die in the wilderness, and instead of going right into the promised land, they're going to all die, and it'll be their children will go mm-hmm. would go. The, the, there is going to be an explosion of response to this. They're first going to jump to the top of the mountain to try to enter right away. They get repelled. And there's a lot of anger and grief that is going on. If you don't have the context of how could this have occurred, there is grief. And when there is grief, people act irrationally. In fact, Korach's name is, we, we find Korach's name in the prohibition of someone who is angry in grief and who rips out the hair of their head, and the Torah says it's forbidden to do that, that mm-hmm. means you cannot act in a state of grief to the extent that you start to mutilate themselves. There are people who get so angry, they physically start to hurt themselves. And there is, I studied this years ago in the school of social work, there is a whole, that people start cutting themselves or cutting mm-hmm. their hair off 
to enrage. So Korach is the, the, the context is that there's a, a the people know they are not going to go into the promised land. Moses is attacked. Moses responds to him, and you notice that that response does not get retorted by Korach. Moses says, "You're after the the you're after having Aaron you're seeking job. the priesthood. Seeking yeah, the he's priesthood. saying, is it not enough that you guys are the Levites? You know that you have these responsibilities and everything, but you're you're seeking the high priesthood. Now, what happens? What happens next is now Korach doesn't respond. Korach doesn't respond to that very no. serious charge. Now, what happened? What, what something is going wrong here? And I, I know we're moving ahead, but because these events are so well known, I'm just I'm going to take a look at what happens. The normally miracles up until this point have been very, very successful in resolving conflict. Meaning, if the Jews are in Egypt, God says, "How will I get them out?" God says, "Show them a whole series of miracles. Plagues are coming." And pharaohs and pharaoh's magicians do get the message. By the time they get lice, the pharaoh's magicians are going, this is the finger of God. By the seventh uh, mm-hmm. plague, hail, pharaoh's going, okay. That means up until this stage in the Torah, miracles do work. What we're going to encounter is Moses becomes very, very personally hurt by, the, by these accusations mm-hmm. that are made. And and we're going to see the severe punishment that, that no one has ever endured in the history until this point, as Moses will say. say. But it really doesn't solve the problem until we get to the end of this portion. Because mm. Moses is going to take this very, very personally, respond to such. But that's what's happening. Moses first points out, you're really after... Um, Aaron, my brother's role. This is, and and then Moses is going to engage in a way of punishing him, and he's going to suffer, as we all know. But the key point is, is that ultimately Moses is very, very hurt by by this accusation. Now, you say that um, they're, they're still grieving, and that's understandable. I mean, they've just found out that they blew it. They're going to be there for 40 years. They're not going into the land. Their children will go into the land. Uh, and the, the very next morning when they discovered that, they were in denial, and they, they thought, no, 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 it's okay. We, we feel better now. We've had a cookie. We've had a sleep. Um, we'll just we'll just get ourselves together and go up into the land. And Moses says, "Don't do that. It, God will not go with you. You've blown it. It's too late." But they go anyway. Is this still sort of a hangover of that denial? Oh, yeah, this is this goes into you know if you study the uh, stages of grief, it, uh, stages of grief go exactly as the these portions go. The first stage of grief is is denial when someone finds out, God forbid, that they have a very uh, serious inf- illness. God forbid, a terminal illness. So we study this in school. There are the stages of first denial and then mm-hmm. anger, and we're watching this happen here. And one other point should be stated is that up until now, this is a different kind of complaint. Until this point, the 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 people of Israel are complaining why we don't have water, why we don't have meat to mm-hmm. eat. But now they're really complaining against the leadership, and leadership, this yep. is really... Yep. An unprecedented, this yeah. This is unprecedented. So, and the other one point that has to be made is that, you know, we have had among the children of Israel many great uh, schisms and splits, they, and and they lead to 
uh, horrific behavior of the of great leaders of the Jewish people. I can think of uh, groups splits uh, such as the Sadducees. According to most opinions, the Karite movement also began with a, a very severe personal ven- anger over who got the job, who didn't get the job of the ex-large. I mean, well, you can take other people in history, just very great rage that ultimately then leads to apikursus, which means just denying an essential feature of the Jewish faith. So we're, we're encountering that here. Korach is, is seeking to split the nation. He is questioning Moses' authority, but he really is questioning why didn't Aaron get the job? There is a Jewish tradition I might point out that in the beginning of this passage, we're we're told about the people who came along with Korach in the very first passage that Korach uh, took uh, Dasim Vaviron, who are going to come up, who mm-hmm. are, these, these are the children. And then we have the own Ben Peles, who is the child of Ruvain. And you can see why Reubenites would find Korach's rebellion uh, attractive because Reubenites were were the firstborn son. Firstborn. Yes. Yeah. But what is, there's a Jewish tradition that goes the following, that Korach's wife and On's wife were two very different women. Korach's wife egged him on saying, why don't you have the important, most important role? It's interesting that this person owned Ben Peles He's part of the rebellion. He's introduced immediately, but he doesn't come up again. And according to, to the, our sages tell us that he had a really terrific wife who saw this is real trouble. And she stood in front of the tent and prevented Own from getting involved further in this rebellion. And that's why Own mm. does not come up again. In fact, the uh, Medrash says that his wife was so upset by this because she could see her husband's downfall before. Now, this is not in the text. The anomaly in the text is that Own, although he's so prompt in the beginning, is just disappears. He's not mm-hmm. involved in the rebellion later. I want to make that clear. The Medrash says that Own's wife sat in front of the tent, and when Korach went to collect all the rebels, to, she actually stood in front of the tent and, and dressed in a somewhat immodest way so that Korah, because these people were very religious, wouldn't even enter the tent because his wife was standing right in the way. And On was, was spared by a wife who intervened on his behalf and made sure that her husband didn't get himself into more trouble than he mm. got himself into. So, because it's, yeah, so, it's serious trouble. Yeah, and it was very serious troubles having. So what Moses... One point is, and you're going to see this come together at the end of this Parsha, and that is that even though we're going to see miracles and unprecedented miracles, for example, uh, uh, maybe I'm jumping ahead and you you top us. Well, let me tell you what, before we get to the miracles, because we will go there, I'll just just continue from verse 4, because we we can't leave anything out here. This is just spectacular. It says, uh, when Moses heard it, he's heard from Korah and and his rebellion, he fell on his face and spoke to Korah and, and all his company, saying, tomorrow morning, 
the Lord will show himself, uh, will, will show who is his and who is holy and who will cause him to come near to him. And here again, I, I'm interrupting, but here again, you know, Moses, I mean, who would not want, I, I, I hope I'll merit to see him soon. Moses, like, why tomorrow morning? Like, why not right there? So in the midst, although Moses is deeply grieved by this, he obviously mm. hopes that, you know, why don't you sleep on it? I, I, I'll never forget yeah. years ago, and I forget years ago, someone was going to write a letter to some Israeli officials. Uh, that were, it was really nasty. And right? I said, why don't you just write a letter and I put it in the drawer and then tomorrow decide if you want to put it in the mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moses trying to say, you know what, let's wait till tomorrow. Why don't you just think about it, wait a little bit. Very similar to what Aaron does with the golden calf and says, tomorrow we'll make a festival holiday. Sleep on this. Maybe your angel, Shema Yiskaru Daita, maybe your, you know, your rage would be. So Moses saying, just put it aside for him. Let's wait till tomorrow. He's angry, but he's also, of course, hoping that the people would repent. Mm. But he says, uh, verse 6, do this. Take censers, Korah and all your company, put fire in them and put uh, incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. Uh, you take, and then he, then he repeats that words back to them. He says, you take too much upon yourself, you sons of Levi. And, and incidentally, you see, Moses is very hurt here. We know you, you who are listening to the show know that this is not going to solve the whole problem. Moses is very angry. Our sages look at the language here, and that is that Moses did take it personally. I, I want to share just a point, if I may. You know, years ago, obviously it's no secret that my life has been devoted to helping Jews in the church return back to the Jewish faith. And sometimes missionaries would say things to me or email things to me that I would really be very offended by. And and then I learned in time not to take it personally. It took a lot of time, and it doesn't bother me anymore because I know their anger is really misplaced. That's why I'm not offended by the crazy things that they 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 attack with. I understand what's happening, but it it, it you will notice that Moses is acting is is very very angry. There is going to be a solution at the end of the game that is going to work this out. But you'll notice our sages all point this out. All the commentators jump all over this Rav Lechem in Deuteronomy 3 when Moses is 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 asking God, can I enter the land? God is going to use the exact same language and throw back at Moses and say, Rav Lecho, is it too much for you for what you've done already? So Moses is acting properly and justly, but he is deeply hurt. The, the greatest attack is really from your own family. It, it really is a betrayal, and that's what Moses is seeing here. And because Mo, this is the last thing in the world that Moses wanted any of this for himself. So he, he is taking this very personally. So it continues in verse 8. Moses says to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi, is it a small thing to you that the Lord, of, that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself? to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, to stand before the congregation to serve them, and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you. 
And are you seeking the priesthood also? And here it is. So, I mean, is. they're already priests, obviously, but they're obviously, obviously seeking Aaron's right. position. In verse 11, it says, Therefore you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord, and what is Aaron that you complain against him? And Moses sent to call Datan yeah. and uh, Abiram, Aviram. Yeah. Yeah, Aviram, the son of uh, Eliab. But they said, Lainale. we will not come up. Lainale. We're not going up. That's right. And then they, I mean, look at what you could see. How then they return his words upon back, back to Moses. And we're seeing now the escalation is going from uh, um, to complete insanity into where this rage comes from. When it gets personal, I mean, Moses and, I mean, I mean, Pharaoh never spoke to Moses this way. No, I mean, that's right. There was a greater level say. of respect from Pharaoh than there was yes, from these guys. Right, exactly. Not not only that, they, now they repeat Moses' words back to him. They say, "Is it is it a small thing that you have brought us now? Get this, have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness." Now, if I'm not mistaken, Toby, here they are referring to Egypt as a yes, land. That's flowing very. With that's milk a good. And blows my mind. In brackets. They are referring to Egypt, and this is what happens in the spirit and anger. And when there's a, when there's a per, hey, look, I know you're listening to the show. Some of you may have been hurt in your life, and I'm going to take a guess without having ever asked you that the people in your life that have hurt you most grievously are those who are very close to you, not strangers. And that's what we're observing here. And then you, 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 you're in this fight with your brother and sister. And, you know, I've observed as a rabbi for more than 30 years that very often it's hard to talk about. I've never discussed this publicly. But very often the worst family fights I've ever encountered that I was asked to intervene in was during when the family is sitting shiva during those seven days after someone died. Right, where yeah. a sister and a brother are fighting who gets the, 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 the car, who gets the chair, who's the executive of the will. And during a time of grieving, you will see a family. I have observed, now this is anecdotal, but I have observed family fights following the death of a parent among siblings that I have never observed under any other circumstances. And I know also many people said, I haven't talked to my sister since, since dad died because of will or some and, yeah. and it's during that moment of grief that this stage unfolds mm. where anger becomes into and then things are said that just what are you talking about and these are certainly low blows verse 13 is it a small thing that he brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey referring to egypt to kill us in the wilderness that you should Keep acting like a prince over us. Again, that's reminiscent of uh, just after Moses uh, killed the Egyptian, right? And yeah. they, they said to him, who made you a, a prince over right. us? And, and again, this is precisely what Moses, I mean, you could see how sh hurt Moses is. I mean, I'm not asking you personally. I'm asking the listener, has someone ever accused you of something? And you're going, how do you dare say that to me? It's the exact opposite. Mm. Moses is going, what are you, 
I, I didn't want, in fact, he's going to say this. This was never in my heart. I never mm-hmm. took anything from you. I didn't even take a donkey from, I didn't take anything from you. What do you, you know, you know, so. Well, he, well, he says, because they, they continue, moreover, you have not brought us into this land flowing with milk and honey. Ah, yes. and there's the problem. Right. And uh, nor ha- given us the inheritance of the fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? Right. That means, are you going we to. will not come put- in translation, just in our common Please. vernacular, you think you're going to pull the hook, the the, the wool over their uh, eyes too? Okay, I mean, right. are you going to blind? You think everyone's blind to what you're up to? We're on yeah. to you, okay? We're on to you, like, and, and that's uh, that's him saying, you know, we we understand that you're scheming. We think you're scheming. Right. That's that's who you are. So then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, "Now, what does this mean? Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I." Heard one of them. What does it mean? Well, Do not I mean, respect their offering. I mean, Moses is very, you know, obviously turns to Hashem. He is the humblest of all people. He mm. he feels innocent of the charges, but Moses being so humble, he entreats God that I, I'm innocent of these charges. There is a fear among religious Jews that a prayer is so powerful that God forbid God is so merciful that who knows what a prayer would do and Moses is entreating God here he's so he is shattered by this mm. I, I'll share some just a little interesting anecdote of how sure. concerned Jews are about a prayer of anybody there is in the Musa a service of Yom Kippur the that is sort of the semi afternoon prayer it's in the afternoon of Musaf, where we in our prayers we actually say over the prayers of the high priest in the holy of holies now as it turns out the uh, the priest asks god don't listen to the peddlers people who travel from city to city with their caravans selling whatever they were they could not travel if it was pouring and raining. The the mud would n- not allow their carriages to travel, and the the peddlers would pray that there is meat rain because on nice dry roads they could travel easily. And the high priest says, "Please don't listen to their prayers." I mean, a person's prayer is a very powerful thing. Moses stands before God, says, "Don't, you know, I'm innocent of all these things, and you know, do not, you know, do not consider in your eyes that." I have committed any of these crimes. Mm. And verse 16, And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company will be present before the Lord, you and they, as well as Aaron, Mm -hmm. let each take his censer and put incense in it, and each bring his censer before the Lord. 250 censers, both you and uh, and Aaron, each with his censer. So every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Yeah, and, and this is with a chance, and this actually was uh, somewhat effective. That means people, Korach was obviously a very, um, he was very persuasive, uh, uh, Korach was able to obviously, he must have been a 
fantastic communicator. He came from a very privileged family. He had also done something which Moses didn't do very much. In fact, none of the prophets did. And that is, he praised the Jews. In the, in the beginning, he says, all the Jews are holy. holy. Well, yeah. at one point, it must be made is you, could, you have to, from the Jewish ear, this is honey. Because basically, as any of you who've studied scripture know, prophets don't, the good guys never talk that way. That means the prophets don't walk around praising the Jews, but rather criticize them constantly. The only people that praise the Jews in the Bible, not how they'll behave in the future, but right now, are the wicked people. So Korach is the one who's going to say, everyone's holy. Haman is going to, go ahead. Haman's going to say. Well, I was just going to say, no, I was just going to say, he reminds me, and when I read this initially, uh, uh, earlier on today, I thought, wow, he really sounds like a politician here, doesn't he? Because what he's saying is, you know, I'm a, I'm a person of the people. The people are holy. I will speak on their behalf. He's obviously a charismatic uh, chap himself, and they, they look to him and think, yeah, he understands us. Right. He understands and us. Ta- and he's talking up to us. But what he Moses points out, I means superficially, Korach's argument is everyone's equal. And he's saying that ooh, this should be a equal society, but as one maxim is, some people are just more equal than others. Korah is not really looking that everyone should be an Israelite. He really wants the priesthood. So that's really what's going on here. Korah superficially looks like he's calling for communism or a a classless society. In Mm. fact, we know what happened to, like, the communism. It ultimately led to the ultimate. These people didn't want a classless society. The Politburo wanted that these people would be in the top and control everyone. Korach was after something, and then he was after power, and, and this is uh, very tragic. But it was very attractive, but Moses does tell the people, separate yourself from him. Now, it's not that God couldn't do a miracle by punishing Korach if the people were still there. It's not like, because you know what's about to happen. I won't reveal it in case you don't. But, like, nothing would have been too difficult for God to Mm. be able to, like, oh, I can't do anything, you know, uh, everyone's standing around. God could have done what he's about to do. No, but obviously he wanted to do do it in a a most dramatic way. And to give people Uh, a shot to step out of the way at the last moment to have regret the last second and to get out of the way. And in fact, that that has that works temporarily. So uh, Moses and Aaron they fell on their faces and said, "Oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh." I think perhaps that's the the, the first time that expression is used mm. in the Torah. Shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? Well, now, now here, here's uh, just a, a comment. Kel Haruchis So what that, just why that unusual language is, is I want to translate, I'm not translating, but I'm, I'm going to change that to in a way that you, God, who is in control and knows the spirit of every person, I'll further translate that, you, God, who knows the thoughts of every person. That's mm-hmm. why that very neutral means you, God, you know what everybody's thinking. You know what's on everybody's mind. That's how that should be understood. Right. And it goes on to say, so the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation saying, get away from the tent of Korah, Tatan, and Abiram. Right, and notice then, who's missing. You see there, you see he's right. missing. On is not there. On is, he's gone. He, because he married the right woman. That's a very important mm-hmm. point that I say. Just point. He married the right, he had the right wife, and she kept him out of trouble. So here wow. you see he's gone because Mrs. Zone did the, 
she stepped in and didn't let her, you know, yeah. like, you know, you have these guys who say, we're going on a fishing trip to Las Vegas. <laughs> and, and they otherwise are stupid and let their husbands go. And one wife says, you're going to go to Vegas. You know, I know where you're going to wind. You're going to be <laughs> drunk on the strip with God yeah. knows what. You're not going yeah. anywhere. And she steps in front of the door and says, you're not going on your supposed fishing trip. Well, she's, and ultimately she says, own had that terrific wife who had the vision to stop him from getting involved in this rebellion. And he's about to be eternally grateful. Then Moses rose yes. and went to well Tatan and Abiram. That was a good and one. And you like that? Yeah. Elders of, the, of Israel followed him. And they spoke to the congregation saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men, touching nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the, the tents of Korah, Tatan and Abiram. And Tatan and uh, Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, that I have not done them by my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by a common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Oh, right. I mean, that's not something that can be fabricated. It's I mean, this not, is not right. He puts up the ultimate test. And incidentally, hmm. it has never been in human history until this stage that a person was buried alive. This would be the first time ever in history. What? That means people died and were buried. Uh, Egyptians drowned the sea and ultimately, you know, wound up on the shore of the land and, and ultimately the buried flood, of course, everything. Yeah. But no one's ever buried alive. Drowned in the earth. Yeah, Buried alive right there. And now, now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah and their goods. And they, and, and oh my goodness, so they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them, who were around them, Tobia, fled at that cry. For they said, lest the earth swallow us also. Right. Obviously, then, they could hear them going yeah, down. Yeah, no, sages say that as they were going down, they were realizing, they were screaming, Moshe Amos, Amos, that they were already screaming that, that Moses, Moses is in fact true and his Torah is true. They went down. I should mention just a few other things to say. Korah will actually has children who were fully grown who did not get involved in this rebellion mm. who went on to be very great people. Sons of Korah, yeah. Yeah, there are actually 11 psalms written by descendants yeah, of Korah. Psalms. Yes, Psalm 42 and so on. Mm. And uh, in fact Samuel is a, is a descendant of this family. And in Jewish tradition in fact Korah saw in some spiritual vision that, in fact, he would have such extraordinary, um, that he would have such an illustrious uh, descendants and felt that he kind of was bulletproof here because if uh, I'm going to have these kind of descendants, then how am I going to have descendants like this? That means I'm bulletproof. That means, look at me, I'm going to have, I mean, the, we are literally told in Scripture that, that Shmuel was like Aaron and Moses. I mean, we have that in the Bible. Right. Yeah, so yeah, right. if I'm going to have... So he thought it was a done deal uh, and he was safe. He, he felt that he had Kevlar on. In a way, he was... Uh, he, saw but with one eye but one important point 
that I want the listeners to understand. The purpose of everything that we're encountering in the Torah is to help us and guide us in our lives. How frequently do we see that a, a we see two people who should be on the same side, who should be uh, see and are warring with each other, and we go, how did, why are you guys fighting? Like, you're supposed to be on the same team, on the same purpose, but the personal vendetta and, and is so blinding, and, and arrogance and the, the, and jealousy are such overwhelming um, uh, 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 primal feelings that are, mm. are so dangerous that, in fact, it leads to people saying things that are absolutely nonsensical. Uh, we mm. left the, the uh, land of, of milk and honey. I mean, that's what we're encountering here. 35, and a fire came out from the Lord and consumed 250 men who were offering incense. Right, so what, what happened is these people were actually given permission to bring incense, just as a point, but what, I, I know I jumped ahead a little bit, so they actually, the incense pans that they were using were holy, because they were given mm. permission by Moses to use them. This was not an, an illegitimate appropriation of mm -hmm. the temple utensil, because they had a special... Uh, permission to use it, so Instru an instruction. Right, to do they so, had yeah. instruction to do this. Ordinarily, one would not be permitted to do this, but here they were given instruction. So the fire pans themselves were holy. One could have imagined, in living at the time, that maybe these incense pans are the ones that are what caused this their death. So very quickly, you're going to see that the incense pan is going to be used to relieve a problem. I know I'm jumping ahead hmm. here. No, it's just right. so, so understand that people could, you know, people are just superstitious, and they're going, well, maybe incense pans cause people to get killed. And, and of course, they have the case of Aaron's two sons. So this mm -hmm. is very important to illustrate to people, no, this is not an incense pan issue, and the incense pans that they use, in fact, are going to be collected and put in the in the in the tavern. This is not a, a yeah. not a matter of strange fire right. or, or anything right. like that. We want to be clear and so what, here. Yes, go ahead. What it says is the the Lord spoke to Moses saying, "Tell Eleazar, uh, Eleazar, that the son the son of Aaron the priest." to pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy, and scatter the fire some distance away. The censers of these men who sinned against their own souls, it says, let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar, because they are they were presented before the Lord, therefore they are holy, so they shall be a sign to the children of Israel. So Eleazar the priest took the bronze censers, which uh, those who were burned up had presented, and they hammered uh, out. They hammered them out uh, a covering on the altar to be a memorial to the children of Israel that no outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he might not become like Korah and his company, just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. You know, there's a great caution here that people understand what the problem was. It wasn't incense pans. It wasn't doing this. This is going to cause people a lot of fear. I know I'm going ahead of myself over here, but they want to make clear what the problem is. But you'll notice, I, I just as you hear the uh, John read the portion, um, what happens is that you would think that the ground opening up and you know people being uh, buried alive you think so you think that would have been a, a, a that would have been very convincing and uh, to make the case stronger 
in the past, when miracles were used, and God says, use miracles, show, uh, like, how will they believe me? God tells Moses, use this. Here, there, it's somehow not working, meaning it's not stopping the conflict, because the conflict really was not a, an attack on Moses. It really was an, another a desire for more power to be like Aaron, and you were dealing with a people who were very, very damaged, very hurt, at, and and in fact, they, they couldn't enter the land. So, okay, let's continue. So, it continues on in 41. On the next day, on the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. No. Oh, my. Now, it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned towards the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly, and I mean, it's as if this was the last straw. I mean, good heavens. Mm. Suddenly, the cloud covered it. Now, now, what I'm about to read, Tobia, I think is, is one of the most alarming and, and um, should I say, desperate. It really comes through even in the English, and it says the, the, the Lord appeared, then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle. Uh, well, brother, meeting. John, as you're reading it, I, 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 just as you, I, I want you, the listener, as you hear this, to think back, where have I heard this before? That means there is something very striking here that's about to happen. You've got to listen to the nuance, but you, you might, we might be playing the game, where have I heard this before? But go ahead. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among the congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. And so Moses... Right. Stop right there. So we, we've actually heard that before. This is yep. very... Um, this echoes, explodes the golden calf. Moses is on the mountain, and uh, he's with God. As I, I explained when we were in that portion, God says to Moses, leave my presence so I can... I can destroy the people. And I explain that Moses, what happens late following that is Moses kind of goes, aha, that means if I don't leave your presence, you won't destroy the people. And Moses then is an enormous conundrum because he can't ask God for mercy because they're still doing it down there at the bottom of the mountain. And Moses does not do what God tells him. So God is saying to him, look, if Moses is reading God like this. If you get out of here, and, and I want to you see the word you have in English, remove, is that the word you have? Uh, yes, uh, uh, get away from among the That actually is not what it says. So in Hebrew it says, Pasig Yud, verse 10, Haromu mitocha eido. Haromu means lift yourself up, get up from the nation. Liromaim uh, means to raise up. So it doesn't say remove, but actually it says lift yourself. This is a, this is a common word. Get up from the congregation, raise yourself up from the congregation. I mean, remove you. Get up so I can kill them. Mm -hmm. means remove yourself by going in and upward. This is lift yourself up away mm -hmm. from the congregation. This is an altitude spirit. This is an altitude statement. Now, what happens is Moses in here and here, oh, oh, if we go up, you destroy the nation in a second. And what happens is, they actually go, they do the exact opposite. They, fall in they go down. So they go they, down. This doesn't come across in the English translations no. at all. But they're 
see, God, again, that's why I said, let this ring in your ear, because God is, you know, told Moses, get away from me so I can kill the nation. He's I'm not going anywhere. And he begins to make a case to God why he shouldn't destroy the nation. They're doing the exact opposite. The word is Heiromu, which means like Romamu, rise up, get up. They, but there's not even down. a. But what's different about that uh, that interaction, uh, the golden calf incident, or just before it, is that there is a a, um, a conversation. There's conversing between uh, Moses and and God. Here, there is no such. There's no time for that. God acts instantly. Yeah, it's gonna. And ha- it's, it's, it's good. It's gonna happen, and that's why Moses' next move is he's gonna say to Aaron. I know what to do here to Yeah, but listen to the yeah. the urgency. That's the word yeah. I'm looking for. The urgency. Uh even in the English, this is the way it reads from verse forty six. So Moses said to Aaron Take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For the wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun. Then Moses took it, and uh, and Aaron took it as Moses had commanded, and ran to the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put incense and he made atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living so that the plague stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,000. 700 besides those who died in the Korah incident. So Aaron and Moses, uh, Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting for the plague had stopped. And now now the people, again, very dramatically could see that incense doesn't cause people to die. It's their bad behavior that causes people Mm -hmm. to die. In fact, incense is used here to, in fact, prevent a plague from from progressing. Mm. Chapter 17, oh my goodness, chapter 17. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and get them a a rod from each of their father's houses, uh, you know, a staff, I suppose, from the leaders among their father's houses, 12 rods, Mm. and uh, write each man's name on the rod and you shall write uh, Aaron, put put him there and put it in front of the the tabernacle. Because again, just a comment is that Aaron now is going to represent the tribe of Levi Aaron is because Aaron, it, this, see, this is going to have the big impact. Uh, this is going to stop the problem. The whole issue, really, the antecedent problem was always Aaron. Like, how did Aaron get the job? So Aaron's going to represent Levi. Obviously, Ephraim and Menashe are now going to be combined under Joseph's rod in a single way and mm. continue. Yeah. Well, just from verse 8, now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went to the tabernacle of witness and behold, the rod of Aaron uh, of the house of Levi had sprouted. Not only had it sprouted, Tobia had put forth buds and it produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses um, brought out all the rods from the before the Lord and uh, the children of Israel um, and, and they looked and each man took his own rod. And there it was. Now, Aaron's rod, uh, they put, it says here, um, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against rebels that you may put their complaints away from me lest they die. Right. Thus uh, did Moses as yeah. the Lord commanded Yeah, him. Aaron's rod is a very, it, it was preserved and it was only hidden much later on uh, by one of the last kings who was hidden away with other great artifacts of the past what is strange you know you you're like i don't know a farmer with goats i don't know what's going on there (laughs) (laughs) but uh, there's something very intriguing sitting here so you have 12 rods I you know I imagine dead wood nothing is going to grow from it, mm. but in fact you know normally as something grows 
I remember as a child seeing tomato plants. At first, you had a flower, and then the flower kind of uh, a, a bud comes. When the bud comes, the flower disappears. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. And then when the when the fruit actually grows, the bud is gone. Yes. Well, what we have, what we encounter here, is something that the Torah spend takes out a moment to say that the rod had all three of these stages. The rod, the the rod is what is being conveyed here is that every stage of of Aaron's growth and the of this unique tribe being selected is in vision here, both from the flower, which is the earliest stage, to the bud, the next stage. But they don't disappear. The almond is there as well. And although some are lost, some people have been lost, very much like an almond. An almond, and this is just striking now as I'm, I'm going along with this mm. with you, an almond is very prominent in the Zohar, in, mm. in Jewish literature, as a as a, a food that is symbolic of the, the Jewish people. Some Jews are, an almond has three parts to it, as I recall. It has the fruit, which we eat and enjoy. Yes. Around that fruit is kind of a, some of a paper-like membrane yes. around it, yep. which we would, has no taste, has probably no nutritional value, but it's on the fruit, and we just gobble it up with it, because who mm-hmm. wants to sit there and peel it off? <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> And then there's the yep. shell that you can't even, that's worthless, that has to be thrown away. And, right. and, and that, in fact, is what we find in the children of Israel. There is a promise, a covenantal promise of the children of Israel that corporate Israel will be preserved. And, of course, that is to the remnant. There are some Jews who turn away from the God of Israel, and they become like the shell. They become, they're in rebellion, and they're destroyed completely. But the fruit is preserved, and then there are people who somehow cling to that fruit. They the themselves may not be completely worthy, but they're not shell, and by just being among the congregation, they're carried along with the fruit, and they're enjoyed with the fruit, and they enjoy the benefits, I mean, they, they're, the people, they're enjoyed, but the, the shell is completely thrown away, so we have, again, those stages in front of us. Mm. Now, it's a curious thing, just uh, a side note, uh, verse 10, it says that Aaron's rod was placed before the testimony. Mm-hmm. It wasn't put in the ark, it was placed before it, right? Yeah. Because uh, it's just a curious thing if you if we jump to the New Testament for a, for a second here, Hebrews chapter nine tells us that the uh, uh, the rod of Aaron was placed inside the ark. Of course, that would make Aaron about four feet tall. Yeah, <laughs> just saying, just yeah. saying. Okay, moving on. So the uh, children of Israel I, spoke to Moses, and I know all our Lubavitcher listeners so much enjoy having the book of Hebrews. <laughs> And you know, it says in the Bhagavad Gita, no, I'm kidding, go ahead. <laughs> no, to say according to the Christians, Moses was a midget. Uh, not Moses, Aaron. All right, so surely, uh, no, so the children of Israel spoke to Moses saying, surely we die, we perish, we all perish. Whoever comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die, which shall we all utterly die? And so I, I suppose we can say that the fear of the Lord was uh, struck yes, into the Yes, that means that now, uh, here's a key point. So at this moment, this is very, very successful, and now the problem that that the the rebellion that issue is completely evaporated that has receded entirely, and now, with that out of the way, now there's great concern. people are 
who usurp or in the wrong place at the wrong time are getting in trouble. I know now that God has different assignments for people, and if they cross over those assignments, that they're going to be held accountable, and we don't want to die. Just who's responsible? What? Whose job is what job? Because we don't mm-hmm. want to step over that boundary. Yes. And we're going to encounter a very important passage that that uh, should be very valuable to some of our listeners. Well, this is so. So, chapter eighteen uh, outlines the duties of the priests and the Levites. And I mean, one of, one of the verses. I mean, speaking about what you're speaking about, the, the Lord says that uh, you know they shall attend your needs and the needs of the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary. Uh, of the altar, lest they die, and lest you die. Also, I think he's talking to uh, Aaron. He is. He's yes, the Lord's yes. And what's important here is this will explain to the listeners a subject that has been touched upon on this show many, many times, whether I've been the guest or others. And that is that why does the priest have to bear the iniquity of the sanctuary? Mm. That means that this now is helps brings sheds enormous light on, for example, the Yom Kippur sacrifice. We come to Yom Kippur, uh, we see that in the beginning of Leviticus 16, the priests are bringing a whole series of sacrifices to mm-hmm. atone for their sins. And they're, they're called a chatos. Initially, it means unintentional, meaning they didn't deliberately rebel against God, but... Uh, they carry a responsibility because it was the job of the priests and the Levites. They, in fact, if we were living during temple times, there would be uh, priests who would be at every doorway, at every passageway to get into the temple, guarding it, doing everything they could that was doing, making sure that no one entered that would defile hmm. the sanctuary. So they bore this because it's their responsibility. That's right, and therefore priests are compelled because invariably, uh, uh, during the course of a year, with perhaps millions of people through the three great holidays and so on, come to the temple. Some of them get through priestly security. The priests sometimes may be lax or not as well as they could protect the 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 sanctity and ensure that the temple is sterile of 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 tuma of impurity. They bear this responsibility. And this is the passage where God says that, you know, Aaron, I have, you know, I've protected your position, you are, but you need to know that along with this position and prestige comes responsibility, and that is that mm. you, Aaron, have to bear the responsibility. It means it's not, being a priest doesn't mean, you know, it's good to be the king or it's good to be the priest. There's an enormous response. In the same way, the Jewish people suffer much more than the nations of the world uh, because we are chosen. We're chosen for what? To guard the world, to be a light to the nations. We therefore suffer so much more than the nations of the world because we bear the responsibility of that chosenness. Well, here, Aaron we are a priestly people. Uh, uh, we're told that immediately before the Ten Commandments in Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6, it, Aaron, who too is a priest, bears the responsibility and the sins of the sanctuary, and they have to guard it along with the tribe of Levi. It's not free. Everyone gets mm. an assignment, but along with that role comes enormous responsibility, and you don't work the land, but you do receive the 
we're going to read now how they're sustained without the without the lamb. No, well, that's right. So it goes on to say, um, uh, now in in this at the beginning of eighteen, God says, "No, you know, you have an enormous responsibility. It's huge, and it's it's serious stuff because if you you, go, you don't do the right the right thing, someone could die, and it could be you." And he said, "But I but I give you." Uh, the, the gifts of the Levites uh, to do the work of the tabernacle. And he explains that. It goes on to uh, discuss the offerings and uh, support uh, of the priests. And uh, and our Torah portion ends uh, just outlining uh, the tithe. So the the a tenth uh, goes to the to the Levites, and then a tenth of of that yeah. that the Levites receive go to the uh, the Kohanim. So just can we nutshell how this? Yeah, ninety percent of what a Levite received belonged to him. The rest went to the priest until the tithing was taken. What the Levite was given was holy. He he had to be very careful. You couldn't uh, serve it for dinner. You couldn't uh, you couldn't give it to anyone. But once the tithing for the Levite was taken, so then mm-hmm. the Levite, and that's just to help people understand the passages towards the end. Once the the Levites had what was given to them, then they could take it and they could go anywhere they wanted to with it. Levites lived all over the land of Israel in more than four. 40 cities, and then if they want to serve dinner with their 90% to a person from the tribe of Yisazchar, they're welcome to do whatever they wanted with it. Then it did not have the status of Terum anymore. It didn't have that sacred status where the Levites had to guard its integrity. Remember, Levites were all over the land of Israel. Mm. And, I, you know, verse 21, for example, Behold, uh, I have given to the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance uh, in return for the work which they perform right. uh, for the work of the tabernacle of the meeting. And in verse... Uh, no, well, that's just a key point. Well, what that means yeah. is a wage is not sacred. It's a payment. So that's mm. what, what, what the Torah is saying here is, look, you, the reason in explaining why... You, you, you are um, the reason you know why you're giving this is you're given exchange for work and therefore you can do it, it is yours you really earned it and therefore mm. it could you could take it anywhere to any part of the land of Israel you don't have to sure. protect its sanctity any no. longer and the Lord goes on and he says I have given to the Levites as an inheritance therefore I have said to them among the children uh, of Israel they have no inheritance so they don't get any land but they do uh, get the tithe and I uh, of that tenth uh, that the Levites receive, a tenth of that goes uh, to Aaron the priest, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And that's how it works. All right. So it ends uh, in, uh, for, for the reward for your work in the tabernacle is what the Lord says to Aaron. And the last verse says, and you shall bear no sin because of it when you lift when you have lifted up the best of it, uh, but you shall not profane the holy gifts right. of the children of Israel, lest you die. Right. So there it is. Incidentally, you know, I'm a Kohen, as the listeners know yeah. very well. And when I'm in the land of Israel, I bless every day the Kohanim priests, bless the children of Israel. But we wash our hands before we bless the children of Israel. If you've mm-hmm. not been to a synagogue, you may not know this, but uh, we do not, Kohanim priests do not wash our own hands. We, uh, we go to the place where the washing places, the Kiar. In fact, when we uh, tour that would coming up in November, we'll show you some of the washing places that have been uncovered next to the right by the Temple Mount. Uh, a Levite accompanies me and washes my hands to this very day. 
do you know it's uh, we only have five spaces left on that tour in November yeah we, it's, uh, it's we're, we're walking through scripture I mean bring your Bibles you know <laughs> don't bring sun you don't bring suntan lotion bring no, your no. Bibles bring your Tanakh because yeah. it is the, the Tanakh tour of Israel that's uh, coming up in uh, November there's only five spaces left uh, and so if you want to come with us the, the bus is almost full we would love to have you with us simply go to truthtoyou.org and follow the links and leave a deposit to secure one of those last five seats we would love to have you but that is the end of our Torah portion Rabbi Toby Singer my friend thank you always a pleasure always a pleasure to study Torah with you and I look forward imagine we're going to be with so many people we're going to be studying Torah every day and walking with the prophets walked and seeing everything before your eyes so it's I'm, very exciting I'm really, to do this yeah it is very exciting and I can't That's wait it. it's coming it's coming very very soon uh, now, between now and then, dear listeners, if, you, if you're uh, coming on the tour, if you're not coming on the tour, get the book. If you haven't got it already, let's get biblical. Why doesn't Judaism accept the Christian Messiah volumes one and two? Outreach Judaism is the website where you can get it, outreachjudaism.org. And there's so many videos for you to feast upon on tobiasinger.tv. Tobiasinger.tv is where you can get all the videos that he's done in one place. If you haven't been there, make time. Go there today. Thank you again, my friend. And until next time, dear listeners, be blessed, be set apart by the truth of our Father's Word. Shalom.